0: Good afternoon, this is Earth Matters on the Bigger Picture and I'm Juliet Jacobs. Gabungan Darurat Iklim Malaysia or GDIMY have released a letter calling upon the government of Malaysia at the federal, state and local levels to declare a climate emergency in Malaysia and they're asking that this is done by no later than the 16th of September 2022, that is of course Malaysia Day. So the coalition has out also outlined about 12 specific demands including one to initiate a rapid decarbonization trajectory for Malaysia with the phase-out of fossil fuel and adoption of 100% renewable energy for electricity. This is just one of the 12. So we're going to find out more about this from Ili Nadia Zofaka. She's the Chairperson of Climate Action Malaysia, or KAMI, which is also part of the Gabungan Darurat Iklim Malaysia. And we're going to discuss what exactly the coalition is calling for. Welcome, Nadia. How are you today? Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me again on the show. Absolute pleasure. Always good to have you on the show, Nadia. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I guess, you know, just to get everybody familiarized in case they are unfamiliar with it, can you re- quickly remind folks what Gabungan Darurat Iklim Malaysia is all about? Who are the folks behind it and what you guys are championing?
1: Yes, of course. Thanks, Juliet. Um, Darurat Iklim Eclimatia or the Climate Emergency Coalition of Malaysia is a coalition of Malaysian civil society organisations and individuals formed back then in 2020, but it got stalled uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, but in 2021, in April, we regrouped again and our main aim is to address Malaysia's response to the global climate emergency through urgent and concerted action. So our main aim, as well as uh, we we try to seek uh, having dialogues and uh, collaborate with relevant government agencies and bodies, and also other stakeholders as such as the academia, think tanks, parliamentarians, and of course at the um, you know state level, the other and other lawmakers as well to urgently deliberate on equitable solutions uh, of us facing the climate crisis. So this is basically just stop it
0: mm-hmm, yes and you guys have been you know really good um not just engaging with these uh you know with the, the government but also with uh you know people in general and uh now this letter that you guys have just uh, sort of released right i mean is really really uh so thorough you know really really detailed mm-hmm. i wish i hope we can go through as much as possible let's get to that yes. yeah what is it all about first of all uh you and who exactly are you directing it to
1: So um, the Climate Emergency Declaration letter is actually a 42, I think, page document produced uh, by the Malaysian activists uh, within this coalition. And we do it through the consultations with various groups from many backgrounds. We also have experts working, uh, uh, getting their feedbacks, and also external reviewers. So this vital document is actually a live document to hold our government accountable and act urgently by declaring climate emergency. So this Letter We call it a love letter to the Malaysian people. It's 46, <laughs> 42 pages long. It's yep. actually almost like a policy, more than a policy brief, right? Yep. But we call it a love letter uh, because we think that it's, um, we are at a critical junction here. So we call upon the government of Malaysia at the federal, state and local level to declare a climate emergency in Malaysia no later than the Malaysian Day, which is uh, on the 16th of September, 2022. So oh. this is who we are directing to.
0: Okay, excellent. And um, mm-hmm. it, it, like I said, it's a completely detailed and <laughs> thorough document. I mean, there's so much there. So basically, the call is for, you know, the government mm. to officially recognise the climate crisis, right? Why is mm-hmm. that important? You know, why is it so important to declare an emergency? Because I, I imagine some people might say, yeah, we know it's happening, whether or not the authorities mm-hmm. say so, right? Can you help mm. uh, explain the significance of a declaration of emergency?
1: So, of course, Um First of all, the, the the climate change is the most uh, significant uh, existential threat to life on Earth. Mm-hmm. So we know that uh, the rate of climate change is exceeding all previous projections. Uh, billions of life, including those of Malaysians, we are at a serious risk. And um, around thirty-five countries, there yeah, some jurisdiction in thirty-five countries uh, globally, have declared a climate emergency covering over 1 billion citizens. So 23 countries, including uh, with European uh, Union counting as one, have declared climate emergency, uh, which also includes Bangladesh and Singapore. Mm -hmm. So by declaring climate emergency, um, the the government is taking action uh, to acknowledge that humanity is in a state of emergency due to the unprecedented rate of global warming. And that urgent action is required to stem or halt climate change and avoid the potentially irreversible damage resulting from it. Malaysia needs to be proactive and we need legally binding solutions to deal with this crisis, um, this emergency.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. And, and I think, you know, yeah, we've spoken about this quite a few times, Nadia, but I think it always warrants uh, some reminding, right? Uh, we are already seeing signs of climate change right here in Malaysia, right? Maybe you can help expand uh, for those who might not be familiar.
1: So, of course, um, in Malaysia at the moment, just last year, and actually a few months after December 2021, we still have floods. So floods, banjir, is the most common thing. Uh, what we can see, what we can feel from the climate impacts. This is what we're already are seeing. And then we also have the heat waves because we have um, the, the extreme weather uh, 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 events happening. We have floods, we have intensifying intensifying rain, and also we have the heat waves. So when heat wave strikes, we have heat stress, we can't go out, we can't really work mm-hmm. unless we uh, turn on our, our AC um, as well as... Can you imagine like the people, uh, you know, like farmers having to work outside, the construction workers, um, you know, the uh, people having to work uh, to go outside. It's, it's absolutely um, uh, uh, a non-bearable condition to work in. And we are already seeing these heat, heat waves coming in and out, you know, this uh, couple of few years and it's getting, uh, it's, it's increasing so, and not only it impacts our health, right, it impacts our, um, you know, our economy and also our food and water security. So we have seen our crop failures are going, um, you know, uh, in, mm-hmm. in the northern states of Malaysia, in Mada, which is our rice bowl. And we have seen uh, the, the B40 uh, communities, the farmer communities, which is mostly from B40 communities, um, loss, um having um, millions of ringgit uh, in losses just from this crop failure, um, further spiraling them down into deep uh, poverty. And some of this reparation from the floods that we were supposed to get, some of the people that I spoke with in Klang, uh, the residents say they didn't get the full composition still. Mm. So these are some of the impacts that we already seeing. You know, from um, uh, we already seeing from you know, direct impacts. And then, you know, the social impact comes in.
0: So, yeah. And and I mean, like you said, these are already happening now. I mean, I I spoke to you, I think it was back in January, right? We spoke about the Mm. the unprecedented, uh, the the, the floods, right, that happened Mm -hmm. in December. And then, like you said, a few months later, again, we Mm -hmm. faced it. Um, But of course, there are some even, uh, some projected um, effects that we're also likely to face, right? Maybe you can help Mm -hmm. line up, uh, line out a few of those or, or lay out a few of those.
1: Of course, I think um, we we all know the impacts are to intensify. We are on our way uh, to to more than two degrees Celsius of increase in temperature, global temperature by 2070s. Mm. So um, it's really important that we know it's not that we're going to suddenly hit two degrees Celsius, more than two degrees Celsius high. Um, Suddenly in 2070, the impacts will be gradual. The the degree of uh, increase will be gradual. And for us, even one fraction of uh, uh, an increase of temperature will create so much difference uh, in, the, in terms of the impacts we are, we are already seeing, uh, like, um, for example, uh, the intensifying rain, um, and then the, the droughts that will come in, the heat waves as well. And of course, we have sea level rise. So um, I'm sure that most of us most of us here have already heard of it or have already seen like images about uh, how sea level rise have impacted other countries uh, in this particular region. Uh, even in the, you know, we are a maritime region. So imagine that how sea level rise yeah. will definitely inundate or, or getting several uh, coastal cities flooded and no longer, you know, habitable, that would mean, we would see uh, mass migration of people, so it's really important um, that we have, you know, our steps to take, uh, our action. We we have the plans uh, to, you know, to to discuss with. It. Right now, is just simply um, non-existence when we talk about migration yeah. at all.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, climate mm-hmm. refugees, That's none of us in Malaysia, I think, think that we will ever be refugees, right? Um, but we've seen yes. other countries, we've seen in Syria, for example, you know, how the climate came to affect, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, food security and ended up causing a refugee crisis and eventually a war. So, you mm-hmm. know, these things are not, not some sort of dystopian future, but these are things that have already mm-hmm. happened and could easily happen to us as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's just go for one quick break, Nadia. When we come back, let's talk about those 12 specific demands uh, that the coalition has made to the government. I'm speaking today to Ilin Nadia Zulfaka. She's the chairperson of Climate Action Malaysia or KAMI. She's also a member of Gabungan Darurat Iklim Malaysia, GDI MY, and they've released a letter calling upon the government of Malaysia to declare a climate emergency in Malaysia by no later than the 16th of September of this year. We'll find out more after this quick break. You're listening to Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. Joining me on the line today is Ili Nadia Zulfaka. She's the Chairperson of Clima Action Malaysia, which is also a member of Gabungan Darurat Iklim Malaysia or GDIMY. Uh, the Coalition of Gabungan Darurat Iklim Malaysia have released a letter calling upon the Government of Malaysia at federal, state and local levels... To declare a climate emergency in Malaysia, and they are asking that this is done no later than the 16th of September 2022. So, uh, you know, as Nadia explained before the break, she explained why you know it's important to declare it as an emergency and what basically they're calling for the government to do. But in the letter as well, um, you guys have outlined these 12 specific demands, and I I recommend everyone go and read it because you've also given very detailed recommendations. But for the benefit of our listeners, maybe you can help. Us walk through uh, those 12 points or recommendations that you guys have made.
1: Thanks, Juliet. So um, we have outlined um, 12 uh, particular recommendations on key sectors. And um, if you read the letter, you will find there are uh, steps or ways that we um, urge the government to take uh, in order to make these uh, recommendations um, more effective. And of course, how to implement this kind of recommendations. So um, the first recommendation, so we declare, uh, we we urge the government, at mm-hmm. uh, the local, state and federal to declare a climate emergency in Malaysia no later than 16th of tep- September, 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second recommendation, um, we hope uh, the, the government to ensure the Climate Emergency declarations Framework for Action is principle-based, putting planet and people first. Uh, Recommendation three, institute integrated participatory, equitable and rights-based governance mechanisms and processes for the climate emergency. Number four, uphold the people's right to information, RTI, regarding the climate crisis. Number five, devote all resources necessary for the full implementation of a holistic, equitable, and a robust national adaptation plan for Malaysia, which, take, which takes into account human rights and up-to-date scientific future scenario projections. Mm-hmm. Number six, make community resilience a permanent priority in all mitigation and adaptation plans, recognising that resilience to climate impacts will not be possible Without empowering and enabling communities. Number seven, prioritize Malaysia's food sovereignty by ensuring complete food security for Malaysia to prepare for the current and future climate impacts by redirecting policy towards agroecology and away, moving away from industrial agriculture. Mm -hmm. Number eight. Prioritize Malaysia's water sovereignty by ensuring complete water security and resilience for Malaysia, given that the incidence of droughts and heatwaves is predicted to increase significantly in Southeast Asia. Number nine, recognize that the climate emergency is a health emergency and commit to a low carbon, resilient, sustainable and equitable health systems for Malaysia through healthy climate policy and health care leadership. Number 10, commit to protecting Malaysia's unique biodiversity by declaring 55% or more of its land area as terrestrial forest reserve and 30% of terrestrial forests gazetted as TPA or totally protected areas and 30% of marine waters as marine parks while doing this. We uphold the indigenous peoples and local communities' rights to own and manage the protected areas according to their indigenous traditional sustainable custom and practices. 11. Um, initiate a rapid decarbonization trajectory for Malaysia with the phase out of fossil fuel and adoption of 100% renewable energy for electricity generation for the whole of Malaysia by 2035 and ensure energy resilience and energy justice. Number 12, immediately put in place a regenerative circular economy system Aim towards zero waste, which includes the complete phase-out of single-use and non-biodegradable products and packaging by 2024, 20, and a toxic-free, low-carbon, resilient, sustainable, and equitable waste management systems for all types of waste. In this 12th recommendation, you can definitely see there is a, a, a repetition on the word low-carbon, yeah. resilient, sustainable, equitable so these words are, are really critical because we deserve the kind of solutions that really make sure that these uh, um, elements are really being, you know, put forward and it's the center of the solutions. And to avoid the kind of greenwashing and the kind of solutions that really don't put people and planet first. So, um I hope that uh, in the future we will definitely put this uh, wording into more layman terms, but um, so far please do read. Uh, the recommendations that we have Uh, thank you
0: (laughs) okay yes I mean uh, like I said in the letter right I mean so you've given us a brief outline of each of the 12 but you know in the letter that you guys have released um, you explain each and every one of those 12 points Uh, you explain um, so that's what I like about the letter as well it also gives um, solutions you know it doesn't just make statements it also gives uh, you know ways to move forward you know there's, there's very practical advice there correct Yes, indeed. Okay. Um, And so let's say, uh, so yeah, please everybody go and read that. You know, it's really, um, I I find it very, because you know, you've given things like a glossary. So there's even terms that, you know, people hear about, but may not know. You've explained all of that in the glossary, right? So things like uh, Sponge City, for example, sustainable development goals, um, all of that is there. uh, So that's very And also with helpful links so that people can actually uh, learn more and find out. Um, So let's just say, the government hears this call, right, and they heed it and they declare an emergency, uh, you know, by the stipulated time. What happens or what should happen uh, following that?
1: Brilliant. You have a really optimistic (laughs) point of view here. I I, I, I thought that you're going to ask what would happen if the government don't declare. But yes, Um, so if the government do declare an emergency, uh, so it does not just come with just a declaration. It has to be uh, the government should start debating on this in the parliament in a democratic way because this is how uh, decisions are made in other countries before they they, they lobby for, for a climate declaration uh, for it to be legally binding. It has to be debated in the parliament. It has to be agreed. And and of course, uh, it cannot just be voluntary. Like you put out a, a climate emergency declaration and it's, it's just voluntary. It's not legally binding. It does not make sense. It's, it's, It's just a waste of time. It's just uh, mere policy statements, motherhood statements. So... um And then uh, we hope that the the kind of pathway is to uh, the government to develop uh, on a process of getting state governments to endorse and and not only to endorse but also localise. I do understand the unique challenge, uh, the relationship between federal uh, and state here but we are at a critical junction and we need to find win-win situation so we need to work on a a process that is fair for both federal and state and for that to happen we need to get the right kind of people in power, so elections is the 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 GE fifteen that is happening is absolutely critical. And for for um, environmental groups, we think that this could be uh, one of the first few um, elections that we're going to have that will start to, uh, to to push for more a concrete, uh, urgent, uh, serious climate action here in Malaysia. So and then um, we we think that um, the the budget as well, um, the government needs to redirect funding. Um, So, with the uh, legally binding methods and processes, we have to make sure that uh, we redirect uh, sufficient funding towards um, the the recommendation, the actions that we propose the government to do so uh, when they declare a climate emergency, because it's really critical. We can't do this without proper funding. So. There needs to be the transparency behind it, uh, the openness, uh, uh, more inclusive uh, uh, particip- participatory uh, process behind it as well. So it means that it needs the whole of society to work together. And and for that to happen, we need the kind, uh, the right kind of leaders again. Mm-hmm. And also um, the uh, the political will to do this and of course the last bit that I think what should happen is for sure getting the fossil fuel companies and the 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 uh, banks funding fossil fuel uh, extraction here in Malaysia and also outside Malaysia because we don't only extract here in Malaysia to participate in this process and and with that, having that saying that we understand that Malaysia is heavily reliant on oil and gas and in the future, more gas um, or fields right now is still being open it's still being developed, uh, explored and etc., So we need to find a way for a a just transition to happen because we understand the people, uh, the workers need to be compensated, need to be upskilled. And we can't just drop out from fossil fuel, we understand. But where is the will to do that? Where is the finance to do that? We are talking about moving towards uh, renewable energy and et cetera. But We are putting so little money, so little investment still in renewable energy, but we are investing more and more into gas. So we think that um, gas as a transition is not only bad, it's it's, it's unsafe. Uh, IEA, IRENA has come up with a lot of reports on that. So um, I hope this is what the government have in mind, will have in mind, and will take action upon.
0: Yeah, I remember reading, um this was the uh, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, right? This was, you know, uh, as we were coming out of the pandemic, you know, he was criticizing rich mm-hmm. countries for spending, I mm-hmm. think, 50% or more of their pandemic recovery cash on fossil fuels, you know, compared to mm-hmm. low carbon energy, um, because there was a mm-hmm. chance there, isn't it, to sort of, you know, rethink, build back better as that phrase, but it didn't quite mm-hmm. happen. So, I mean, that's something that mm-hmm. we need to keep pushing for, isn't it, that, um, you know, now, now's, well, maybe it might be too late, but, you know, it, we still have a chance, we really need to to rethink how we do things it cannot be business as usual
1: absolutely I, I do agree with your point on uh pressuring the the global north the developed nations to quickly uh, push for the climate finance that were being promised mm. in every cop uh, for the past few years we were uh, we were promised for around 100 billion per year um so we have not reached this yet so the current consensus is we will reach to that amount by 2030 or 2020 yeah i think 2023 if i'm not being mistaken sorry if i'm wrong on this mm-hmm. uh the dates are a bit uh confusing <laughs> at this point yeah. but um we we need those fundings and those kind of finance is actually some form of reparation to global south countries like us because um we do not emit as much as uh, CO2 historically. Yeah. So so it's a historic, uh, I would say, it's a historical responsibility uh, of the developed nations to, to improve on climate finance, to provide developing nations uh, finance so we can move towards a sustainable future because it's a, I think at the end of the, uh, the day, it's all about equity. It's all mm-hmm. about fair share. Who gets to... Uh, pay more, who gets, who deserves to do, um, you know, to get the money and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think um, we have to look at it in in, in that way. And I think Malaysia needs to ramp up. We need to have a great team in COP27, I think at the end of the year and the future COP. We need to, you know, invest in a lot of uh, leaders, young leaders that can speak about this at the international level.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think we are seeing that a lot, right? I mean, we, I, I know we've got a really good team and really fighting for the global south, for the de- developing nations, and um, yeah, and but fa- facing really uh, a lot of, uh, as you said, greenwashing that's happening, you know, especially coming from the the, the richer countries, you know, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's quite a difficult one, but. I, you know, now that this letter is out, also, um, I do understand that there's also an avenue for you know, regular folk, you know, like me, to 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 also get involved and to support the coalition uh, in calling for this declaration. Can you help share how uh, we can do that? How can we endorse it?
1: So, of course, um, we can. You guys can endorse it by first of all read and then you go you can actually find more information about this at the twitter account of GDIMY. I couldn't put the website link here because it's too long. Mm-hmm. It's uh, twitter handle at GDIMYORG so you can find it there so um, there are some links um, you can watch the press conference um, you can listen to the, the speakers, some of our external reviewers who's part of this process of getting this letter uh, published and of course the people who's been behind um, uh, this process as well and of course um, the the endorsement does not just stop by you putting your name Mm -hmm. over there Mm -hmm. there are opportunities for you to actually join the coalition together Uh, at the moment the coalition is uh, around uh, almost 30 organized civil civil society organizations in Malaysia and um, a couple um, I think around 40 individuals so we want to get as much as uh, uh, people to work in this, people with uh, various background, and our um, uh, our endorsement campaign will start very soon. Our first step is to get uh, the, the letters out uh, to the um, Prime Minister's office uh, before Raya, if not after Raya, mm-hmm. and after that, we will You know, create a a more inclusive campaign, uh, getting the people in Sabah and Sarawak to participate in this process together. Because we do believe that this cannot just be the work of Peninsula Malaysia and activists. We need the voices. We need the, the expertise from academia, think tanks. And that's why we have mentioned that we are open for a dialogue. And, and we hope that um, the, the person, uh, people who's interested can get in touch with us and you can actually find the information in our Twitter.
0: Okay, excellent. And um, mm-hmm. I think you, uh, I, I, you know, we were speaking before uh, before off-air, Nadia, and you were telling me how you guys are also going on the ground and just sort of doing temperature checks with folks, right? Mm-hmm. Just telling them about that. Right. Uh, can we expect more of that? Will you be going down to the ground kind of thing and, and speaking to people about this as well?
1: Yes, of course. I think there's a lot of movement on the ground. Uh, I think um, yesterday, there was a a ride, bike commute, KL have organized some kind of like a climate uh, justice ride here around in Kuala Lumpur and in Penang. It's really interesting that people are going down the streets using creative ways. And when we do, you know, temperature checks on the ground, we found that people are... You know, they, they can be quite apathetic but this is where we actually, um, this is our battleground, really, getting the people to care, getting the public to know, because this information does not come out in, in, in the news, uh, mainstream news media, and, and it's really difficult. That's why we have to go on the ground, and it will be uh, often in the future. I think there's going to be some few climate strikes here in Malaysia uh, by the end of the year. So please uh, stay tuned, Uh, uh, get our updates and follow us on our social media okay
0: <laughs> all right well thank you so much um, yes you guys have you know constant updates there and everything um, how shall I say you've got like infographics you know simpler ways to sort of digest all this information because it can be quite difficult to digest right, right? so mm-hmm. yeah you guys have simplified it so uh, as Nadia said just search for Gabungan Darurat Iklim Malaysia or GDIMY uh, yeah. on Twitter so on you know all your social media uh, channels just search for at GDIMORG if you'd like to find out more you guys also have a Wix site am I correct so that's GDIMY uh, yes all the information is there do read that letter and do uh, endorse it and and, and live it you know also don't just endorse it um, read it understand it and also try and live it out as well I would say right
1: Yes, thanks so much, Juliet.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today, Nadia. I've been speaking to Ili Nadia Zofaka, Chairperson of Climate Action Malaysia Okami and member of Gabungan Darurat Iklim Malaysia or GDIMY. Uh, do head to their website to find out more or to their social media pages. And if you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always download the podcast at bfm.my slash earth or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9.